Well, we're there in Luke chapter number 7. And of course, on Sunday mornings, we are going through a series called Journey with Jesus. And uh, we are doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Luke. And that's really what we, what we are on. We are on a journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're studying the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember last week, we were here in Luke chapter 7, and we saw the story of Jesus resurrecting a uh, young man from Nain. And uh, this morning, we're going to pick up right where we left off there in, in verse number 18. The Bible says, Luke chapter 7, and verse 18, And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. And the reference there to the disciples of John showed him all these things is uh, specifically referring to the resurrection that Jesus just performed uh, from the dead man, the young man in Nain, uh, but really about just the ministry of Christ and all the wonderful things that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. And just by way of introduction, you know, we haven't seen John the Baptist uh, in the story in, in, in a little while. Uh, and if you remember, John the Baptist is, at this time, he is in prison. The reason that the Bible says the disciples of John showed him of all these things. And then later on, in verse 19, we see, And John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus. The reason that they're coming to him and bringing him reports, and then he's sending disciples to Jesus to ask a question, is because of the fact that John is in prison at this time. Keep your place there in Luke chapter 7, but go back to Luke chapter 3 if you would, and I'll just show you this. If you remember, we saw this earlier in our study. Uh, He is in prison, John is, uh, because of the fact that he's preaching against sin, and he's preaching against uh, the the leaders of the world um, at that time. Luke chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says, "...and many other things..." An exhortation preached he unto the people. This is referring to John the Baptist and the ministry of John the Baptist. Verse 19, But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved of him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which he had done, added yet to this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So John it was preaching against the fact that, uh, that, that Herodias... Uh, had taken his brother's, uh, Philip's wife, and he was preaching against that. He was preaching against the leadership of the world at that time, and so he had been thrown in prison as a result. Go, go back to Luke chapter 7, and, and, and I'll just say that to say this. Sometimes people will come to a church like this where we uh, don't mince words. We, we preach the truth. We tell you what the Bible says, and you know that means that sometimes we're going to preach against sin. The Bible says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people, it talks about showing the children of Israel the tran- their transgressions and their sins. And this is what uh, uh, John was doing. And oftentimes today, we'll get criticized. If you're more conservative, tra- traditional, and you preach against the sins of our society, they'll say you're a Pharisee, or they'll say that you're uh, not loving. But I just want you to notice that John is thrown in prison uh, because of the fact that he's preaching against the sins of his society, the leaders and the rulers of his society, he's in prison. And I want you to understand the context there, because what we see in this passage is we see John uh, being highlighted by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see a couple of things. We see his greatness, the greatness of John, but we also see the doubts of John. We see that John was a man, like any other man. He was a, a man that had his highs And he had his lows. And we see some things here about John the Baptist tonight, uh, excuse me, this morning. And 
Uh, I'd like to highlight these for you, and maybe you can jot some of these things down. On the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to take notes, and maybe you can uh, uh, write a couple of things, and I've got an outline here for you. The first thing I'd like you to notice from this passage is the doubt of John the Baptist. I'd like you to notice the doubt of John the Baptist and the fact that John the Baptist, at this time, he has some doubts. Now, I want you to understand that he's having some difficulty. He is in prison at this time. He is in prison, and he uh, soon, here from now, he's going to have his head cut off. And I'm sure John knows that, and he knows what's coming. And as a result, being in prison, being through uh, having this difficulty, and having this discouragement, and having discouragement in his life, he has some doubts. Notice there in Luke chapter 7 and verse 19. We saw there in verse 18 that the disciples of John showed him all these things. They showed him about Jesus. They talked to him about Jesus. They explained to him about the resurrection that Jesus just performed. And in verse 19, the Bible says, And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? So here we have uh, John sending disciples to Jesus, and he's asking this question. He says, Art thou he that should come? And specifically, he's referring to, uh, he's, the question that's being asked to Jesus by John is, Are you the Messiah? Are you the coming Messiah, the one that said that we we're looking for to, uh, to come? He says, or look we for uh, another. Is there another one that is coming? Look at verse 20. He says, when the men were come unto him, referring to Jesus, they said, John Baptist has sent us uh, to thee, saying, art thou he that should come, or look we for another? So here we have John's question. John is asking the Lord Jesus Christ via these messengers, Art thou he that should come? Are you the anointed one? Are you the coming Messiah? Are you the Savior of the world? Now the reason that this is such an odd question is because John has already himself given us the answer to this question. You're there in Luke chapter 7. Keep your place there in Luke. That's our text for this morning. But go uh, with me to the book of John, if you would. John chapter number 1. You're there in Luke. You're just going to flip over to the book of John, the next book over. John chapter 1. And if you remember early in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, before Jesus had started his public ministry, if you remember, we learned in, in, in the Gospel of Luke that he started his public ministry first by being baptized and then by going out into the wilderness uh, to be tempted to the devil. Then after that, he came out and he began his public ministry of preaching and, and doing the things that he was doing. John chapter 1 and verse 29 tells us that when Jesus came to be baptized, Remember that uh, John and Jesus are related. Uh, Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, uh, and, and Elizabeth is John's mother. John 1, verse 29, here we have John the Baptist already in his ministry, and he says this in verse 29. The Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So I want you to understand that when John the Baptist had his ministry, he saw Jesus coming and he identified Jesus. In fact, he told all of the people that were following John, that were there under the ministry of John, he identified and proclaimed the Lord Jesus Christ as the coming Messiah. When Jesus came, John, seeing Jesus come, said, about Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. John then goes to baptize the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he baptized him, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit descended down like a dove 
upon him. And John saw that as an identification of the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the anointed one, that he was the one that should come. But now we fast forward, and John's now in prison for preaching the word of God, and he asks this question, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And you scratch your head a little bit because you think, well, John, you already know that he's the one. You're the one that told us that he was the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. You already know that Jesus is uh, the one. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. Anyone can have times of doubt during times of difficulty. Whenever we go through times of difficulty, whenever we go through times where maybe we are discouraged, anybody can have doubts. Here we have John the Baptist, who we're going to learn here in this passage later on, is literally the greatest man who has ever lived, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, up to this point. And yet we have John in prison during times of difficulty, and he's discouraged, and he's having times of doubt. He's doubting uh, what he already knows. He knows that Jesus is the Messiah, but he wants to make sure. He says, art thou the one, or do we look for another? And this is a theme that you find throughout the Bible. In the Bible, you'll find these great men who went through seasons of doubt. Let me just highlight some of these for you. You don't have to turn to any of these. I'll just read these off for you real quick. Uh, But we have Abraham. Remember Abraham, known as the father of faith. Abraham had a time when he doubted and he got discouraged. In Genesis 17, 17, the Bible says that Abraham laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? So here we have Abraham, who's known as the father of faith, a man of great faith, and yet there was a time in his life when he was discouraged and he doubted. He doubted God's word. He doubted whether God could actually do what he said he would do. He said, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old. Not only do we have Abraham, but we have Moses. Moses, uh, who's one of the greatest characters in all of Scripture. The Bible tells us in Exodus 5.22 that this is what he said to God. He said, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? And we have uh, Moses asking God, why did you even send me? Why did you send me to do this? Things are not going well. We have Elijah, who's known as one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. In 1 Kings 19.14, the Bible says that he requested for himself that he might die. He said, take away my life. He said those words to God. We have Jonah, who led one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament. And he said, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And here's the takeaway way that I want you to understand. If great men of God like Abraham and Moses and Elijah and Jonah and, and, and John the Baptist can get to points in their lives where they are discouraged and they are, uh, uh, and they are uh, uh, upset and, and, they're, and they're going through difficulty and they have times of doubt, you better believe that you're going to have times of doubt. You, you know, people sometimes they, they think like, man, I'm having a time where things aren't, I'm not as excited and, 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 and things aren't going well and I'm a little discouraged and I'm not really sure what's going on. You know, am I just this, this terrible Christian? And look, don't be surprised when you have times that you're low, where you have times of difficulty, where you have times of discourage. Because look, John the Baptist himself, who was the man who was sent to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, and he did that, but then in prison he says, Are you the one? Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? So we must know this, that anyone can have doubts during times of difficulty. If Abraham can have doubts, you can have doubts. 
If John can have doubts, you can have doubts. If Moses can have doubts, I can have doubts. Elijah, if Elijah has doubts, we all can have doubts. You say, well, what do we do during times of doubt? Go, go, you're there in Luke chapter 7, look at verse 21. Notice the response from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because John sends his disciples and he says, Art thou he that should come or look we for another? Here's the response, verse 21. And in the same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. So I want you to understand, because sometimes we read these passages and we just kind of read them, uh, and, and we don't really put ourselves there. But I want you to understand what's going on here. Here we have Jesus, who just got done resurrecting a, a young man from the dead, uh, from the city of Nain, and he's there with his disciples, he's preaching and doing ministry, and then two disciples of John show up. And keep in mind that John is a big name. John was a man that, that, that multitudes, the Bible tells us, went out into the wilderness in order to hear him preach. So when two of his disciples show up, I'm sure people take notice, and then his disciples ask what may seem like an embarrassing question. They said, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, John has a question. What's his question? He wants to know, are you really the Lamb of God? Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And then the Bible tells us, in Luke chapter 7, verse 21, that before Jesus answers the question, they come and they ask, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in verse 21, the Bible says, And in the same hour, he cured their infirmities, uh, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave sight. So they show up and they ask, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And Jesus looks at them and says, uh, Wait one moment. And then he goes... And he heals a bunch of people. He casts out a bunch of devils. He gives a bunch of blind people their sight. Verse 22. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead hear, the dead are raised, the poor have, uh, the, uh, to the poor the gospel is preached. And then he said, here's my answer for John, verse 23, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You say, what does that mean? The word offend in our King James Bible is not the same word as the way you and I use it today. Today you use the word offend to describe, you know, my preaching. You know, my, I offended you about something. But that's not what the word offend means. In, in, in our King James Bible, the word offend means to trip or to stumble. It's used synonymously with the term stumbling block or to give an occasion to fall. It means for someone to trip up. And here's what Jesus says to John. They said, art thou he that should come or look before another? And Jesus' response is, you are blessed if you don't trip up. You are blessed if you don't stumble. You are blessed if you don't fall. You say, what's the message that Jesus gives? Here's the message that Jesus gives to John. He says, you can go ahead and doubt, but don't quit. Amen. You can go ahead and get discouraged, but don't quit. You can go ahead and have times of difficulty, but don't quit. And here's the message. The same message that Jesus gives John is the same message I want to give you this morning. When you go through times of difficulty, when you go through times of discouragement, when you go through times that uh, maybe you're disheartened and, and you're doubting and you're wondering, that at those times you need to determine, I'm not going to quit. 
Look, it is not during times of difficulty where we need to make major decisions about life and major decisions about the way we're going to uh, live our lives. It is during the times of strength, during the times when you are clear-minded, when things are going well, that you make decisions, you get convictions, you make some decisions about who you are and what you believe and what you're going to do. And then when you have times of difficulty, you just press on during that difficulty. You may doubt, you may have difficulty, you may get discouraged, but don't quit! Jesus said, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. He says, John, look. Jesus says, I've dealt with a lot of humans. I understand. Go ahead and doubt, but don't quit. Go ahead and doubt, but don't quit. And what's interesting is, and I don't have time to develop this, is that Jesus is literally, uh, uh, what he's doing is he's fulfilling a prophecy in Isaiah where the Bible says, because John asks this very specific question, he says, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And he is in reference to what Isaiah said about the coming Messiah. If you remember when we were back in Luke chapter 3, Jesus began his earthly ministry by opening the word of God to Isaiah, and he read a passage of scripture about the fact that the coming Messiah was going to heal the sick, was going to bind the the wounded, was going to preach captivity, uh, preach liberty to those that were captive. And Jesus closed the book, and he said, today are the these words fulfilled in thine ears. See, Jesus was the fulfillment to that prophecy. And here, when the disciples asked, Art thou he? Instead of Jesus saying, Yes, I am, he said, Watch. And he fulfilled that prophecy. He did those things that Isaiah said that he was to do. And then Jesus turns around and says, Tell John, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You need to just make a decision. And look, whether it's the Christian life or or anything, you need to just make a decision that if you're going to stick with something, that if you're going to stick with it, that you're going to stick at it, you need to make a decision that I'm not going to quit when things get hard. I'm not going to quit when things get difficult. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be a quitter when, when I feel like quitting, when I feel like giving up, when I feel like not going any further. Look, in life, you just have to realize that things are not always going to be easy. My wife and I, by the grace of God, are celebrating 18 years of marriage today. And you better believe, over the last 18 years of marriage, there have been many times when I'm sure my wife felt like quitting. <laughs> and praise God she didn't. And, uh, and, and, you know, we've been in ministry for 11 years. And you better believe that over the last 11 years, there have been times when we thought to ourselves, why are we even doing this? But I'm just here to tell you, if you're going to stick with something in Life. If you're going to stick with it, you've got to decide. I may doubt. I may get discouraged. I may find difficulty. I may have setbacks. I may uh, have things not go well. John is looking at his ministry and saying, how did I end up here? I went from preaching to thousands. Now I'm in prison and I'm probably going to lose my life. And Jesus says, go ahead and doubt, but don't quit. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended. And I'd like to show you something. Go, go to Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter number 11. Don't quit. Don't quit. When things get difficult, don't quit. You, you've got to just make a decision that you're not going to uh, quit on God. You're not going to quit on your kids. You're not going to quit on your marriage. You're, not, you're just going to stick with it. 
Make some decisions and say, look, look, I decided a long time ago, I'm a Baptist, I'm King James only, I'm soul winner, I'm a soul winner, I'm separated, there's certain things I believe about the Word of God, I'm going to preach it, and if it gets me in trouble, if it throws me in prison, I may doubt, I may have difficulty, I may get discouraged, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stick with it. You got to decide. See, one of the reasons that people will sometimes will get backslidden and they'll fade out out of the Christian life is because they never actually made a decision about who they are. See, it was Daniel who said, the Bible says that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. And in life, you and I need to get to the place where we've made some decisions, we've made some choices, we said, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I believe, this is what the Word of God says, and I'm not going to quit. It was an old preacher who's gone away now, Lee Roberson, was known for saying, do right, do right, do right, till the stars fall, do right. We ought to decide that we're just going to stick with it. We're not going to quit. Times get hard, but we're not going to quit. And here, here's what's interesting is that sometimes what we need is to just be reminded. See, in Matthew chapter 11, in verse 4, the Bible says this. In Matthew 11, we have the same story. The disciples of John come to Jesus. They ask the question, Matthew eleven four. 4, Jesus answered and said unto them. In Matthew 11, we're given this little bit of truth. He said, go and show John, notice this word, again. Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the, door, the poor have the gospel preached to them. I, I, I like it here in Matthew 11 how it's said, because here's what we already know. John already knew those things. John already knew who Jesus was. John already knew what he believed. But Jesus says, go and show John again. Go remind John again. Go tell John again. Go to Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter 3. You're there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You find 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter number 3. He says, go tell him again. You know, sometimes you and I just need to be reminded again. Say, why does God want us to come to church every week? Week after week. Sometimes, for many of you, multiple times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Why? Here's why. Because you need to be reminded again. You know what I've learned? Here's what I've learned. Is that you can't just preach one sermon on marriage and expect that people's marriages are going to be okay. They need to hear it again and again and again. You need to hear about soul winning again and again and again. You need to hear about Bible reading again and again and again. You need to be, uh, 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 read about, learn about separation again. We just need to be reminded again and again. We're easily distracted. We're easily discouraged. It's easy for us to get sidetracked and Jesus says, go and show John again. Philippians 3 and verse 1. Here's what Paul said to the church at Philippi. He said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. He says, to write the same thing to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He says, to remind you again and again. To remind you the same things. To write the same things to you. It's not grievous. And if you've ever studied the, God, the, the, the epistles of Paul, you'll notice that he repeats himself a lot. 
in several of the epistles, I mean, sometimes you're reading epistles and it's like they're word for word. Some of the verses are word for word, almost the exact same thing. And he's just saying the same thing again and again and again. Why? Because you and I need to hear it again and again and again. And here, John is told, the, the disciples of John are told, go and show John again those things which you do see. I'd like you to keep, keep your... Uh, your, your place there in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to come back towards that part of the Bible. And go back to Luke chapter 7. So I want you to notice the first thing we see in this passage is the doubt of John the Baptist. And what we learn is that anyone can have doubts during times of difficulty. And if you've had times of doubt, if you've had times of discouragement, if you've had times when, when you have uh, wanted to quit, join the club. We all have. The difference between the Christian that succeeds, the difference between the marriage that succeeds, the difference between the parents that succeed, the difference between the ministry that succeeds, is that when we all have those times of doubt and discouragement, some people determine in their hearts, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stick at it. I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do what I know is right. I'm not giving up. So we see the doubt of John the Baptist. Then I'd like you to notice, secondly, this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'd like you to notice the description of John the Baptist. Because this passage of Scripture might cause you to maybe lose a little bit of respect for John. You might think, well, I can't believe that John would doubt. And that would be hypocritical because we all doubt. But you might look at this and you might think to yourselves, you know, well, what's wrong with John? And maybe the people that were there, Jesus had a concern that the people that were there had heard this, that the disciples of John had came and asked this question, and he was concerned that they would maybe look down upon John or be negative about John. So after this question is asked and after the answer is given... The Lord Jesus Christ gives us a description of John the Baptist. Notice there in Luke chapter 7, verse 24, the Bible says, And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak. Now in Matthew chapter 11, it tells us, And as they departed, Jesus began to say. So I want you to notice that what Jesus is about to tell us about John the Baptist He says it to the multitude. I believe he does it for their benefit. So these people that have just witnessed the fact that John is doubting will know what Jesus thinks about John and that they should not look down on John. But I also think that Jesus began to give the description of John while his disciples, the Bible tells us in verse uh, in Matthew uh, uh, 11, it says, as they departed, I believe that they could hear Jesus. So the disciples come. They say, John wants to know, art thou he that should come or look before another? Jesus kind of gives a rough response. He says, tell John that blessed is he who is not offended in me. And as they begin to walk away, Jesus begins to say these words. And, I, and he says it for the benefit of those there. But I believe it's for the benefit of the disciples who came to ask the question. They hear Jesus say these words. And, they, and I'm sure Jesus did that on purpose so that it would be reported back to John. He said, what is it that Jesus said? Look at verse 24. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. And he begins to give us a description about John. Notice what Jesus says about John. He says to the crowd, he says, what went ye out into the wilderness for to see? 
Because remember, they all went out in the wilderness to hear John preach. So as the disciples of John are walking away, after they ask this question about John doubting, as they're walking away, Jesus addresses the crowd, and he says these things concerning John, and he asks this question, what went you out for to see in the wilderness? And he says, a reed shaken with the wind? He said, what did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken with the wind? Notice verse 25, he says, But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. He says there in verse 26, But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? He says, Yea, and I say unto you, uh, and much more than a prophet, that is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is none greater prophet than John the Baptist. I mean, isn't that an amazing statement? Here we have Jesus. Look, this is amazing enough that Jesus would stand up and say about John the Baptist that he is not only a prophet, but much more than a prophet. And among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. That's an amazing statement that's made about John. You know what makes it even more amazing, though? Is that Jesus makes this statement right after John just got done doubting the Lord Jesus Christ. John sends disciples and says... Art thou here, or look we for another? And Jesus kind of rebukes him and says, Hey, blessed is the man that is not offended in me, John. Don't get offended, John. Don't get offended just because you're in prison. Don't go quitting on me just because you're in prison. And as the disciples are leaving, as they're walking away, Jesus turns to the crowd and says, Let me tell you something about John. There's no greater born among women than John the Baptist. That's amazing. You say, well, but he just, he just doubted you, Jesus. He's discouraged. He's depressed. He's at a low. He, he's doubting. Let me say something. Aren't you thankful that Jesus, does not, that Jesus does not count your life based on your worst moments? Aren't you thankful that this was not the determining factor of who John was? Jesus, here's what Jesus is saying. I know John is in a low right now, but this does not determine his entire life and his entire ministry. He says, John is a great man of God. He said, he's looking at this crowd and saying, I don't want you to think less of John. He says, in fact, there's none greater born among women than John the Baptist. Your setbacks, your difficulties, your discouragement, your doubts, your sin, my sin, are not the ultimate determination of the rewards we get in heaven or what God thinks about us or the approval that we can gain with God. Because John did something amazing and it was this, he got to the end of his life and he ended well. The Apostle Paul said, the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that he wants to be able to get to the end of his life. He says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. I'm here to tell you that What's the most important thing in your life is not how you begin. I hope you began well, but if you say, well, I didn't begin very well, it doesn't matter how you began, but it does matter how you end. You say, I've, I've, I've had some times of doubt uh, through the journey. Well, get back on it. Get back in the Word of God. Get back to what you know you're supposed to do and make sure you end well. Make sure you get to the end of your life faithful, joyful, living for God. So we see this description of John, but I want you to notice a couple of things about how Jesus describes John, because Jesus just got done telling us this is the greatest man 
born among women. And he says he's not only a prophet, which means he's a preacher, he said he's so much more than a prophet. He's, he's such a great prophet. He's such a great preacher. So there's some characteristics here I just want to point out for you. First of all, I want you to notice that Jesus describes John as a man of certainty, a man of confidence. Look again at verse 24. He says, And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. And he says, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Now Jesus is saying, John is not a reed shaken with the wind. You say, what does that mean, a reed shaken with the wind? Well, did you keep your place in Philippians? I'm not sure if you kept your place there. I asked you to keep your place in Philippians. If you kept your place in Philippians, I'd like you to go to Ephesians, which is just the book right over. The term of a reed coming up out of the water, this weak stick branch that is so weak that it's just shaken with the wind, is a reference to someone's instability. The fact that they're indecisive, they're hesitant, it's the opposite of being certain. See, Jesus described John as a man of certainty and confidence. Ephesians 4.14, the Bible says that we henceforth be no more children. I want you to notice this phrase. This is what being a reed shaken with the wind means. It says that we be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. See, the Bible tells us that you and I should be people of certainty. We should be people of conviction. We should make some decisions. Hey, we ought to make some decisions about what we believe and then not change our mind based off what society thinks about it. Well, I just decide, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what I believe. This is who I am. I'm not a reed shaken with the wind. I'm not carried about with every wind of doctrine. I'm not just putting my, my, my finger up in the air and trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. He said he was certain. The opposite of hesitant. The opposite of undecisive. You know what the sad thing is that today many preachers, and I would say even most preachers, are not certain. Here's what Paul told Timothy. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You know what it means to be instant in season, out of season? It means to not be a reed shaken with the wind. I mean, this is what politicians do. Politicians put their hand up in there, and they just kind of figure out, well, which way is the wind blowing? It, when, when people are against, quote-unquote, gay marriage, then I'll be against gay marriage. But as soon as most people are for gay marriage, then I'll be for gay marriage. I mean, that's what all politicians do. Well, I, I don't have any convictions. I don't have any boldness. I don't believe there's no truth. There's no truth that I just believe in. There's no absolute truth. I just kind of do whatever people want. And that's exactly what the average preacher is doing today. That's exactly what Joel Osteen is doing this morning. That's exactly what every limp-wristed liberal preacher is standing up and saying, well, I'll just preach what people want to hear. But no, the Bible says that our job is to preach the word, to be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering. Jesus says about John, he says, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? He said, Not John. Not John. We as preachers should just stand for the word of God. 
You say, well, what if society don't like it? No matter what society. Look, I don't preach to please society. I preach to please the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice that Jesus describes John as a man of certainty. He knew what he believed. I want you to notice that he also describes John as a man who was tough. Notice there in verse 25. But what went ye out for to see? He says, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled live delicately in king's courts. Today, today, if Jesus were to say this, I think he would say, what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in skinny jeans? A man clothed in a pink shirt? A man clothed in soft raiment? Well, they which are gorgeously apparelled live, de- li- notice he says, live delicately in, are in king's courts. He said, John was not soft. He was not delicate. He was tough. He was bold. Go, go to Matthew chapter 3 if you would. I want you to notice how the Bible describes John. And, and it gives us a physical appearance of John. But let me tell you something. Your physical appearance matters. Today we live in this world. People say, well, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. And my response to that is, well, how else are you going to judge a book if not by its cover? I mean, how do you choose a book? A book you've never read, how do you choose it? You look at the cover, you look at the, the, the title of the book, you look at the, the description of the book, you look at the cover and you decide, yeah, I think this is a book that I'd like to read. That's how you literally choose a book. By judging its cover. In fact, you're an idiot if you just, well, I don't... I don't know, I'm not going to look at the guy, I'm just going to start reading this book. 500-page book, I'm just going to read it to figure out what I think about it. Now, obviously, as you read it, you make some decisions, but you know, the first thing you do is you look at the cover. And I'm just here to tell you something. No preacher on a bar stool with ripped-up skinny jeans with a T-shirt on who's 40 years old with his belly sticking out trying to look like a teenager is going to get up and rip face against sin, Period. You can judge that book by its cover. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And if it walks across the, the platform with a limp wrist, then you know what you need to know. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Notice verse 4. The same and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. The Bible describes John as a man who had a raiment, his clothing was camel's hair. He, he had a, a, a shirt on or some sort of a sweater. I don't know what he had, a coat on. And it just had hair all over this camel's hair. And he had, he had this leather girdle, a, a leather belt on. And you say, why is that important? Here's why it's important. Because there's a reason why John is dressing this way. And I wish I had the time to develop this. I don't have the time to develop this. You have to study this out on your own. I'll just give you real quick. 
The Bible tells us that the spirit of Elijah, remember Elijah the prophet? That the spirit of Elijah came upon John. That it was John. See, the Bible tells us that Elijah was to come, and he was the one that was to prepare the way of the Lord. But Jesus comes and says, yeah, that was John. When the Bible says that Elijah was to come, it was John who came. He is Elijah the prophet who came and prepared the way of the Lord because the spirit of Elijah came upon him. Here's what's interesting. When you go to the Old Testament, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. 2 Kings chapter 1, and you get a description of Elijah. Here's what we're told. 2 Kings 1.7, And he, this is referring to King Ahaziah, said unto them, this is people who just had an encounter with Elijah the prophet, and he asked them this question, What manner of man was he? which came up to meet you and told you these words. Here's how they described Elijah. And they answered him, he was a hairy man. They said, this guy was a hairy man. What's interesting, because John would be described as a man with raiment of camel's hair. So notice how they're both described as hairy men. And, the, and then the Bible says, and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. That's what the Bible tells us about John, that he had a leathern girdle about his loins. And he said, when he heard this in 2 Kings, he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. You say, why is it that John was dressing this way? I think it, I don't know if consciously or subconsciously, John said, you know what, I'm going to dress like Elijah. You say, Pastor Menos, why do you wear a shirt and tie when you preach uh, on Sunday mornings in the word, the word of God. Why do you do that? Because you just think you're fancy or something? I don't think I'm fancy, and I don't think you're fancy, but I think the Word of God is fancy. Amen. And over the years, the men of God that have had respect for the Word of God and put on a shirt and a tie and preached the Word of God, those have been the men that God has used. So I'm just going to try to be like them. Amen. And if you would put on a shirt and a tie to go spend time with the President of the United States, who's a sinner and a wicked man, then why not do it if you're going to hold the Word of God, the eternal Word of God? And again, look, I'm not saying you, you say, do you have to wear a shirt and tie to go to church? Look, I, here's what I believe. You got to bring your best to God. If, if your best, whatever your best is, bring that to God. And the point is not about the, the clothing. The point is about the type of man that John was. He was a rough man. He was a tough man. He was not a soy boy. He, he, he was not a metrosexual. I mean, today we live in the society when men are being told to be like women, to look like women and act like women. Look, God didn't make you a woman. He made you a man. Amen. Bible says he made male and female, created he them. He made them different. He wants women to be soft and delicate and quiet and gentle. And he wants men to have confidence and certainty and be rough and tough. Amen. And if you come to a church where you feel like, pastor's just a little too rough, you got to thank God for it. And I'm not saying that I'm anything close to John the Baptist, but, if you, it, it, but I'm trying to be. I'm trying to preach with certainty. I'm trying to make sure I know what the Bible says and preach with some authority about the Word of God. Someone said, you know, we as Baptists, we're, we're not always right, but we're never in doubt. <laughs> and obviously we, we strive to always be right. But I just want you to know that Jesus described John as a man of certainty, he described John as a man of toughness, not soft, not delicate. Like you notice thirdly this morning, go, go back to Luke chapter 7. Not only do we see the doubt of John the Baptist, not only do we see the description of John the Baptist, but thirdly this morning, I'd like you to notice we see the declaration of John the Baptist. Notice this declaration that Jesus gives. 
Luke 7, 26. But what were ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy uh, way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is none, uh, not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Here we have Jesus giving the ultimate exaltation to John. I mean, Jesus literally said, among those that are born of women, talking about human beings, there is none greater prophet than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the greatest prophet who ever lived, Jesus said. Jesus just gave, Jesus just gave John the ultimate exaltation. Now, I don't want to spend a, time, a lot of time on this because I feel like I've developed this in the past, but let me just point it out for you. I think that the reason that John got such a great exaltation from the Lord Jesus Christ is because John himself had given such a great exaltation to the Lord Jesus Christ. Go, go back to John, John chapter 3. You're there in Luke, just John. John chapter 3. Remember John? He just proclaimed Jesus as the Lamb of God would take away the sins of the world. And now his crowd, the people that are following him, are now following Jesus because he told them to. And he's kind of lost his ministry. He's lost his crowd. The disciples, the, the Pharisees, they come to John and they say, what do you think about that? Jesus was baptizing more people than you. You are John the Baptist. And Jesus and his disciples are now baptizing more than you. What do you think about that, John? Don't you love it when people ask you those types of questions? John 3.30, here's his response. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. See, John exalted Jesus and lowered himself. So you know what Jesus did? He exalted John. Matthew 23, go there quickly. Matthew 23, look at verse 12. Matthew 23 and verse 12. Matthew's, we got we to gotta hurry this thing up. It's my anniversary. I got to take my wife out. <laughs> Matthew 23, verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself, notice these words, shall be exalted. See, Jesus is exalting John because John has exalted Jesus and lowered himself. The Bible says there's none greater than John. And here's the lesson. Bringing yourself low is the best way of allowing God to lift you up. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. You go back to Luke chapter 7. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. James 4.6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Now let me just show you verse 28 real quickly, Luke 7, 28. Jesus just got done saying that, For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is none greater prophet than John the Baptist. But then he says this. He says, But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means, just real quickly. And I don't have time to develop it because we need to move on. But here's what he's saying. John is the greatest among those that are born of women on earth. He's the greatest. Of the prophets. But then Jesus says, you know that being the least in heaven is better than being greater anywhere else? <laughs> he says, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Because John was great for a good reason. But here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you know what? Being least in heaven is better than being the greatest anywhere else. And, and living for God is better than doing anything else. Look at verse 29. 
We saw the doubt of John the Baptist. We saw the description of John the Baptist. We saw the declaration of John the Baptist. Let me give you the last one this morning, number four, the denunciation of John the Baptist. Now we begin to get into the reason that people didn't like John and the reason they didn't like Jesus. Notice verse 29. And all the people that hurt him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. Jesus just got done praising John. And people were like, yeah, John's awesome. And they got baptized with the baptism of John, verse 30. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. And the Lord said, because the, the Pharisees and lawyers, Jesus got done promoting John. People said, yeah, John's awesome. They got baptized with the baptism of John, the same way that John baptized. But the Pharisees and the lawyers are like, no. We're not going to honor John by getting baptized the way he says, and we're not going to honor you, Jesus. So notice verse 31, And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? Jesus says, How can I describe these religious men, these Pharisees and lawyers? He says, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? And then Jesus says, here's what they're like. Let me describe them for you. He says, they are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you and ye have not wept. You say, what does all that mean? Here's what Jesus is saying. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, and the counselors and the lawyers and the religious elite, he says they are like children who are upset because we will not play their games. He says you are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. They said, we're, we're providing the music. Dance to our music. And John says, I'm not going to dance to your music. Jesus, I'm not going to dance to your music. We have borne unto you, and ye have not wept. See, he says, the religious establishment did not like that Jesus and John would not play the religious games or play by their rules. And look, today when you get up and you preach the word of God, other preachers will get upset at you. I mean, I stand up and preach against the sodomites and the homosexuals and the LGBTQ and all of that. And you know how I'm always shocked gets mad at me? Preachers. They're like, no, don't do that. You start doing that, then my church is going to expect me to do that. You got to play by our rules. If you're going to do it, you got to play by our rules. No, no, I play by God's rules. Yeah. You go ahead and pipe all you want, and we're not going to dance. You're, you're, we're not going to march to your drum. We're going to march to the drum of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they were upset with Jesus, and they were upset with John because they could not control Jesus, and they could not control John. He says, they are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you and ye have not wept. So we see the control of Jesus and John. But lastly this morning, I want you to notice the comparison of Jesus and John. Jesus is telling us the problem that these religious elite had with him and John. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say he hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say he is a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. Jesus says, you know, Pharisees, you know, lawyers, you know, uh, uh, Sadducees, you know, your problem is this. 
that when John came, he said John had this real serious, kind of aggressive, you know, he's eating locusts, he's dressing camel's hair, he has a leather girdle, he doesn't go to preach in your cities, he makes you come out to the wilderness, he's preaching hard, he's preaching against Herod, he's preaching against the religious elite. And when he showed up, he came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you said he has a devil. You said he's so weird, he's so different, he's so out there, he's so hostile. He has a devil. And then Jesus, and then when I showed up, I showed up and I had a different style. By the way, did you know that it's okay for preachers to have different styles? You know that two preachers could both be right with God and both doing what God has called them to do and just be different? He says, the Son of Man... He said, I had a different approach. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. He said, I went to the publicans and the sinners. I, stood, I, I, I met them uh, where they were at. I spent time with them, and I healed them, and I loved them, and I speak to them, and I preach. He said, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. And Jesus is saying, do you understand what the problem is? He said, John and I were exact opposites. You didn't like John. But then I showed up and I'm the exact opposite of John and you don't like me. He said, you don't like me. You called me a, a gluttonous and a wine-bibber. But when John was like, okay, no parties, no fellowship, just come out to the wilderness and I'll rip your face off, you say he has a devil. Here's the point. When you have a problem with everyone, you're the problem. When you can't get along with anyone, you're the problem. I understand that sometimes preachers have different styles and they might rub you the wrong way and you may, you know, but here's the thing. If you don't like Pastor Jimenez preaching, when he gets up and preaches the word of God, but then some other man of God stands up with the King James Bible, maybe they have a different style. You know, Pastor Anderson gets up and preaches the word of God. Pastor Thompson gets up and preaches the word of God. Pastor Mejia gets up and preaches the word of God. Pastor Pazarski gets up and preaches the word of God. When all these other men of God stand up with their styles and their different flavor and their different way of doing things, and they open up a King James Bible and preach the word of God and you still don't like it, you're the problem. You're the problem. Because when you have a problem with everyone, you're the problem. And by the way, when you have a problem with everyone at work, you're the problem. And when you have a problem with everyone at church, you're the problem. And when you have a kid at home who's just fighting with everyone, they're the problem. <laughs> Jesus said, you know what your problem is? It's not the style. It's not that I showed up eating and drinking and John showed up being aggressive and eccentric, so the problem is you don't like the Word of God. You don't like the preaching of the Word of God. You don't like the fact that we will not dance to your songs, that we will not march to your drummer. And Jesus is telling them, your problem is not, your problem is not with John, it's with God. And you know what? You need to realize... You need to realize, and look, sometimes preachers are going to say things that offend you. I get that. I sign up and preach for an hour, three times a week, and I've been doing it for 11 years. Of course I'm going to say something you don't like. You don't get up and preach for three hours, and you say things I don't like. Talk to you for 10 minutes, and you say things that are offensive. And then, you know, you judge other preachers for, for saying something offensive. But I'm just here to tell you something. Maybe... If you're just constantly offended, you know what the Bible says? Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you're just constantly offended, constantly offended, maybe it's not the preacher. Maybe it's the word of God you're offended with. Maybe you should just get right with God. 
Maybe you ought to quit doubting. So you don't understand, it's hard. I know it's hard. You understand, things aren't going the way I thought they would go. I, I, I get it. I'm discouraged. It's difficult. I, I get it. John was there. But he took the advice of Jesus. He did not quit during difficulty. We saw the doubt of John. We saw the description of John. He was a man of certainty. He was tough. We saw the declaration of John. The greatest among them that are born of women. How did he get there? He lowered himself and he allowed God to exalt him. And then we saw the denunciation of John that he would not be controlled by the Pharisees. And when compared to Jesus, they were never happy. Because it's not that they weren't happy with him, they weren't happy with the word of God. And you ought to ask yourself, do I have a problem with the preacher? Every church I go to, I'm offended. Well, maybe the problem that you have is with God. And you ought to get right with God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you for John and just the great example that he is. And Lord, I realize that we all go through times of difficulty and doubt and despair and discouragement. And we doubt. We doubt. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn to stick with it, to not quit, to not give up. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be able to be like John and get to the end, to be like Paul and get to the end and say, I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.